Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined by Ronnie Martin and Barnabas Piper, who's just returned from uh, just the glitz and the glamour of the uh, the Southern Baptist Convention. Pipe, can you tell us anything about that? By glitz and glamour, did you mean like pot bellies and, and stretchy chinos? That's exactly <laughs> what I meant. Because you're, you're I, reading I, my mind. I we've think, been, we've been hosting together too long. And yeah, there's, I, there's nothing like pot bellies and stretchy chinos in St. Louis in June when it is around 274 degrees. Plus St. Louis in June, the city of dreams. Oh, it's Gosh. amazing. They have, I big, knew they have a big bent metal thing. That's the feature of their city. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. I knew I picked the wrong denomination. It just radiates the heat, you know, but at least you get that nice breeze off the river. You yeah, know? it smells Happy. like uh, it smells like industrial waste. It's awesome. It smells like industrial waste. And then you add to that the glamour of just various pastors from the south. Um, who, who, may, who may also smell like industrial waste. <laughs> <laughs> who, may, who may or may not. You know, we're not saying one way or the other. So uh, I, I know this is a... Yeah, let's call it precarious topic, just given your your employment status uh, with the Southern Baptist organization. But can you share like one funny story from uh, from your time? Uh, yeah, I feel like you are. Um, I feel like you're asking me to to like hopscotch through a minefield here. I got to be careful. I am. Um, right. Funny story. Let's see. Well, okay. So this is this is a this is sort of a quintessential Southern Baptist moment, and it fits the podcast well. So I I was witness to this. It did not happen to me. I was so as our team with Lifeway Lifeway leadership, we had a booth set up. So we're talking about a conference we have coming up, and we you know we're talking about some different resources we have, just different pastors who are coming through a typical convention center floor setup. And uh, I'm coming back from, I don't know, getting a drink of water or, or grabbing lunch or something. And I see this very, very enthusiastic, eager guy. He's probably mid-20s, okay. like right up in my boss's face. And my boss is uh, – he's not, he's not a confrontational person. He's, he's pretty yeah. laid back and he just isn't – and he, he just kind of is looking at this guy like if you don't, if you don't move away shortly, I may elbow you in the teeth. <laughs> I'm going to drop you. I'm going to drop you like a bad habit. So I walk up right as this guy walks away, and uh, my boss turns around and hands me a card. uh, And the card that this guy gave him, and he said, here, this is for you. And uh, it turns out this guy had charged up, and the first words out of his mouth are, are you Calvinist? Oh, wow. And just went on like a full-on screed about how Calvinist, like his words were, Calvinists don't worship the same God we do. Wow. Now, I I do not say this to paint all Southern Baptists in that light. That is a particularly contentious issue amongst Southern Baptists. Uh, Some are quite reformed. Some are uh, quite anti-reformed, as you you just heard. But that's not an atypical thing. Like that that neither of us really raised an eyebrow at that. We're like, oh, SBC convention. Yes, we'd expect somebody to charge up and (laughs) hand us a tract about why Calvinism is is pagan. So you you got a tract. uh, I I feel like we're in the tract business now. Yeah, you know, as, it was, a, as a group. Sadly, it was not handcrafted leather. It was uh, okay. It was cardstock and glossy. It was a standard track then. It, it, I would it, never read a standard cardstock track now. No, after track. Really, I know these commercial tracks, Big R. They're not yeah. as good as the independent ones. The indie absolutely, tracks. they're man. quite literally a dime a dozen. Um, no, and it, and it was really more of an advertisement for his church, which I also cannot name because somebody who listens to this probably knows of the church. But of uh, it was so there. There was that. There's the. Uh, it, it's very interesting to go sit on the convent, like the in the business area. So 
churches mm-hmm. churches send what they call messengers, which I think yeah. sounds very culty. But basically, oh, it sounds terrible. Basically, yeah. uh, representatives who are yeah. allowed to vote on whatever it is that needs voting on. Uh, this year, the SBC was um, electing a new president, so they serve two year terms. And uh, it's very that election went well too. I heard. Oh, it yeah. uh, came off without a hitch. Sw- swimmingly, it was yeah, yeah. Hang- hanging chads everywhere. Um, <laughs> so, but but it's I mean it's you think like church business meeting and you get bored and probably frustrated. It's like mm-hmm. that, except with like the most eager church business meeting participants from every church across the American South. Oh. If if that if that gives you a sense of how delightful the business part of the SBC convention oh. is, baby, that sounds miserable, man. Well, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're back here in studio. Uh, you sound a little bit more uh, a little bit more lively, and hopefully, this time together will be rejuvenating for you. But you mentioned uh, you mentioned Calvinists, and I want to I want to say one thing to segue into our uh, <laughs> our just our sponsor time. Actually, we got a new sponsor for we the do. program. Uh, because we are nothing if not businessmen who are always securing new sponsors. And uh, our sponsor for this week uh, is actually sponsoring one of my other podcasts. It's Olive Tree Bible. And they have sent uh, they sent me as a part of this other deal, uh, Calvin, John Calvin's like 22-volume commentaries. Wow. And um, I'm ashamed to say that, that as a Calvinist myself, I hadn't, I hadn't read that much of actual Calvin. And um, I, all I wanted to say was I'm really, really enjoying these. Um, actual Calvin is is comes off much better than most of his fans. <laughs> it's so oh, true. And and his commentaries are like reading a really good sermon. Like you're just like, dude, they're wow, incredible. this, this guy's yeah, a really good expositor. He's Yeah, which, they're so insightful, dude, and they're so helpful. I'm finding myself like highlighting like a madman. So, I'm sure uh, he I, would be very encouraged by our praise. He uh, he lacked confidence, and so having two two guys on a podcast say he's a great expositor probably meant a lot to him. But, uh, absolutely. He would absolutely he'd be thrilled. Yes. You know, he'd, be, he'd just be thrilled. So, Pipe, uh, take us into this segment. T- tell us about Olive Tree Bible, um, and then we'll get into what we're going to get into today. Yeah. So if, if you're familiar with Bible software uh, listeners, this is this is a they have a, an entire library of resources, uh, commentaries and lexicons, and so all your stuff to study Greek and Hebrew and things like that, but also a whole bunch of just uh, Christian books like our our respective books are on there, and so you nice. can you can interact with them in this. The advantage of having a an environment like Olive Tree is that if you make highlights, you take notes, you do anything, it's you can link that to any other study that you're doing. So if you're trying to if you're trying to do sermon preparation, for example, or or teaching preparation, you can pull up a passage of scripture and all the pertinent notes you've taken on that, as well as maps and all this stuff. They have this cool split screen thing where you can put you can put content side by side for study purposes. So it's it's and it's it's really good in the mobile environment. The on the online version is great, but I mean it's it's ideal because you can you can do it on an iPad or an iPhone, things like that as well. Um, so it's it's not dissimilar from something like a Logos or something like that, although their price points are are lower than that. So um, the other thing is you don't have to buy huge packages. You don't have to spend like a thousand dollars and get this massive library. You can buy things as you go. Um, so that's something for if you just wanted to kind of dabble in it, you can download the app for free and then and then stock up your library. They run sales regularly. So like if Amazon's running a deal on Kindle books, Olive Tree will often run the same deal on their books, things like that. So you can you can get everything at a cheap price. The deal they're offering our listeners, so if you just go to olivetree.com 
Yeah, they have their super clean website. You can explore it. It's really easy to navigate. Uh, if you decide you want to buy anything on there, so load up your library uh, or, or just kind of dabble in stuff, use the code RANT, R-A-N-T, RANT, and you'll get 20% off, and that's good through the end of July. So you can mm. – and I don't think that's a one-time thing. They didn't say. So if you wanted to buy a few things over the course of a month, keep using the code RANT. And, uh, and load up that. So olivetree.com, go check that out. One other thing, uh, since we're talking about Calvinists and expositors, I feel like I need to mention this. They have some, um, some user testimonials, and the very first one is, is from somebody near and dear to my heart, uh, <laughs> one John Piper, who says, okay. who says that the Olive Tree Bible Study app is his default mobile Bible. I can attest this is true. I've seen him use it a hundred times. Uh, he uses it uh, for his daily devotions. He uses it for study because he can use his Greek and Hebrew resources with with the English, copy and paste stuff in and out of other documents. So uh, John Piper says it's awesome. It must be awesome. Mm, there you have it. Pipe, could we get your dad to do a similar endorsement of this program? Um, I, this is harder than talking about the SBC. It's tough. It's <laughs> not, really, really. Let me let me just say this. You don't have to say yes or no right now. Okay. Let's just put it out there and see how it feels. You know, and uh, we we can come back together on this in a couple of weeks. How about that? For for some context, I recently emailed. I emailed my dad's assistant because that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, I call him about personal things, but anything endorsement or work-wise, I go through his assistant right. and uh, and was turned down for a speaking invitation. So I invited him to speak in an event that I'm helping <laughs> to plan, and this is not the first time this has happened. So, Dude, that's um, outstanding. I don't – not a lot of nepotism in the Piper family. <laughs> and by speaking engagement, you mean you just invited him down for like a weekend this summer and his assistant turned you down. <laughs> right. Well, no, I actually went back to his assistant and said – Oh, he won't come. What if I bring the grandkids? Oh, there you go. <laughs> that was nice. that, that was my negotiation tactic, and I haven't heard back yet. So we'll, nice. see, we'll see how it plays out. That's not a card that you can play with uh, with with other evangelical celebrities, pipe. And speaking of other evangelical celebrities, circa the nineteen nineties, uh, I want to talk about this panel that Donald Trump has put together. And uh, Trumpy has uh, it seems like he's been quiet for a couple of weeks, which is which is strange. Uh, but he was in the news again when it came out that he was engaging sort of these um, evangelical megastars from the 90s. So we're talking about guys like Jerry Falwell, uh, guys like, uh, I don't know, Dobson was a part of it. So um, a couple of questions. One, what do you guys what do you guys make of this move by Trump? Um, but also, if you're one of these guys, does, you know, does associating yourself with Trump hurt you, obviously? And does it, does that count as an endorsement? Uh, what do you guys think? Big R, are you, are you into politics at all? We've never talked about this, baby. No, I'm not like a big uh, – I don't got a big pulse for it to yeah. be quite honest. I really um, – yeah, the, the, my, the, the sun does not you know, rise and set in my life based on who's in the White House, quite frankly. Yeah. But, um, but I have to admit you know, because this one has been so polarizing, I've been far more engaged than I ever have been in my life because sure. I, I, I frankly have a lot of people coming to me right now like asking me – you know, directionally, you know, what, what's, mm-hmm. what's a good direction to take? How are we supposed to think of this? So it's actually caused me to kind of de- delve a little deeper. Now, in terms of the advisory board, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the bottom line is that if you are going to be anywhere near this guy, um, the perception is that you're supporting him. So yeah. to say you're on an advisory board, but you're just advising and you're not supporting, I think, uh, I think is, is a little absurd, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, we, we don't really get to have that kind of 
we don't really get to draw those kind of finely tuned distinctions. Yeah, do there's we? not such a you thing know? as a dissenting advisory board. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, like Piper, I feel like you would have a better, you'd have a better, uh, you know, kind of take on this. I, the big takeaway for me from all this is a confirmation of the thing that I think we all know is true, but it's really disheartening. And that is the, the tie between conservative evangelicalism and the Republican party. Yes. And so these, these people who are on this advisory board have my perception and I'm sure some of them probably would, would try to explain this a different way, but they, uh, they have overlooked, chosen intentionally to overlook Trump's incredible track record of being a colossal, terrible human. Like <laughs> there isn't another way to put it. He is a bad person. He treats people like garbage. He lies. He, I mean, he, he just he's an, he, he's an awful, awful person potential leader for this country and they have they have joined this advisory board and I, the only reason they're doing it is because he's the republican candidate and they may say we think we can influence him but uh that strikes me as terribly naive i think uh <clears throat> he doesn't care what they have to say he's Do you think he's only interested in figuring out how to get the votes from their denominations so, pipe what i hear you saying is that you don't want to be on the advisory board how do they pay with trump yeah, yeah, exactly. So what's Although, in it for no, these guys? the other news that came out this week is that Trump is broke, so I'm guessing they don't pay terribly well. They'll just be like, invoice <laughs> us later. Right. Maybe it's a gathering. They'll give a little quinoa salad out of the day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, what do you think? Okay, so that brings up this question then. Do you think that being on an advisory board – so let's just say you're one of these guys and you're not really convinced about Trump, but Trump asks you to be part of the advisory board. Is this a way for you to actually um, – if you're on the fence and you have sort of a you have kind of a you know a public persona that can sway people, is this your way of kind of weaseling your way in there and um, kind of kind of showing um, kind of showing a backhanded way to support you know Trump or just the Republican Party? I, I guess, but dude, my question is, what are these? What's in it for these people? Like, what well, are that's they what I'm at? asking. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, if putting support behind Trump. I don't know. I guess it would get you in the news. You know, it gets you mentioned. Um, That's I, I what I mean. Know. Does it become like? Does it become? Per, does it become personal platforming for these guys? Dude, it, it, everything is personal platforming. Dude, you know, but what, what they don't realize is, I mean, okay, if it's personal platforming, they mm-hmm. care about the political platform and not the evangelical platform, because actual evangelical Christians, not just sort of the statistically labeled types, are not in favor of Donald Trump. Yeah. And so to they this is a this is a significant mar on the record of these people even just by I mean even just guilt by association like I I'm all for any of these people trying to go into Donald Trump and represent Jesus Christ well to him but yeah. I don't think that's what a presidential candidate is looking for from an advisory council what they're trying to figure out is what does the evangelical vote want yeah, it's yeah. not like Trump is like saying, "Hey, you know, guys, what I need is a little personal evangelism." So on our lunch break, can you tell me a little bit more about tell me about the gospel? You know, yeah, this, this, yeah. This, this isn't the atonement. This yeah, isn't the right. uh, yeah. This isn't the Ethiopian eunuch saying, "Hey, I'm reading scripture and I just don't understand <laughs> it." Would you explain it to me? It's him saying, right. "Hey, how do I win the southern states, which are mostly evangelical, and most of you are from there?" 
Right. I mean, it's a political maneuvering, but here's what I want to know, though. Like, are we surprised? I haven't seen a comprehensive list on who's on the board. Are we surprised by any of the names that are on that board? Is there any surprises? I see a couple surprises. I'm almost reluctant to throw out names just because, like, I mean, I guess there's no – it's public. So yeah. I'm, a, I'm a little bit – okay, so here's the list. I'll just read them off. Michelle, read it, man. Michelle Bachman, not a surprise. Uh, A.R. Bernard, I don't know who that is. Senior pastor and CEO, Christian Cultural Center, somewhere. Guy named Mark Burns, Tim Clinton, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, not a huge surprise. <laughs> James Dobson. Jimmy. That is a bit bit of a surprise. Mm. Jerry, yeah, a little bit. Jerry Falwell Jr., not a surprise. Nah. Ronnie Floyd, uh, who is the who is now going to be stepping down as the president of the SBC convention after this recent election. So that's, that's a significant name. Uh, Jensen Franklin, uh, another significant pastor, Jack Graham, Mm. uh, pastor at Prestonwood Baptist. That's a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, Harry Jackson, uh, Robert Jeffress. That's not a surprise. He's, uh, he's the one who said he hoped we would bomb the bleep out of, uh, the, of ISIS. Um, David Jeremiah, kind of a surprise richard land Mm -hmm. former he's the one who held the position that russell moore holds now before russell moore did Mm -hmm. uh or at least previously james mcdonald that's a bit of a surprise uh johnny Mm -hmm. moore robert morris uh i don't think that's the robert morris who's the cigarette guy um tom mullins the talent agency yeah (laughs) tom mullins ralph reed james robinson tony suarez jay strack uh, Paula White, Tom Winters, and Celie Yates. Uh, so Celie Yates is a fairly big player in the in the publishing industry. So, I mean, there's a few names on there that I just look at and I go, I mean, my gut reaction was, I thought you guys knew better. Yeah, yeah like why are you doing this, you know? Um, well, because you could be a, on a presidential advisory board, I guess. You know, at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, I guess, man. I don't know. It's an ego thing maybe. Here, here, here's a final question, RE, the advisory board. Who do you think would last longer in one of the board meetings? Okay, I'm going to give you two names. One, Rachel Held Evans. So again, the, the, the room is full of these aforementioned people and there's a little quinoa salad and Trump is there. So Rachel Held Evans or Robbie B, Rob Bell. Who, who lasts longer oh, in Rob, one of these meetings? Rob Bell, hands down. Without leaving in a huff. Oh, Ro- Rob Bell, hands down because he just – because Rachel Held Evans will actually fight for stuff. Yeah, okay. And if she thinks these guys are full of crap, she will fight for something. Rob doesn't fight for anything. He just makes up words. Well, let me, <laughs> let me give you another one. Uh, uh, Rachel Held Evans or Brian McLaren? Hmm. I feel like Brian McLaren might show up like nude with a sandwich board out of protest or something. Like he would do something extreme, <laughs> or in like a like a kimono with a sitar, and he S- just sit in the something. corner. And play yeah, adult. it would it would be an it would be an odd thing. Okay, here's two I have for you: Al right. Mohler or John MacArthur. <laughs> oh, Mohler would last longer because he would filibuster. MacArthur would he would I think he would just accuse and storm out. Russell Moore or Tim Keller. Ooh. Ooh. Big R, you're getting these are these are hard hitting uh, scenarios. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's time for a little hard hitting journalism right I'm now. I'm gonna let Ted answer that one. I'm not sure about that one. Wow. Yeah, Russell man. Moore or Timmy K. Dude, I could I could see Russ hanging in there only because Russ I, I feel like Russ is is well schooled in the ways of these sort of Well, he used to work on Capitol Hill. 
Yeah, so. these sort of southern big money politician, you know, angle working kind of guys. So but he, I, I, he is a he is a lot feistier than Keller. Like he's not gonna he's not gonna stand for nonsense. And Keller, while he will not buy into nonsense, I think is a lot more patient. I, yeah. yeah, I could see Keller he's, just I sort of could see him sort of going like meditative Yoda. Yeah, politely, like he'll sit there and listen with like the 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 pads <laughs> of his fingertips together, sort of contemplatively. But inside, he's dying. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, it would kill him, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, one thing that crossed my mind when I looked at this is I wonder, and again, I'm, I'm running the risk of, of judging these, these people, but um, I guess that's what we do. How many of them think that they are so significant because of their platform mm. that they think that they are carrying – like they're carrying the big stick into this room? Nice. And so they're walking in thinking – I can I can make a difference. I was asked to be part of this because I'm significant and I can make a difference. And so it's not that they necessarily agree with Trump. It's that they think they have the pop to actually sway him. Yeah, I think that's a valid question. But I just I can't get past the idea that as soon as you're asked and as soon as you say yes, how is anybody going to think that you're not for Trump? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I mean it's it, because – because the the aim of this is not his spiritual well-being. Right. The aim of this is his connection with the evangelical vote. Period. Right. Because he sees that there are people like us that are, you know, it's hashtag never Trump. So like he this is his attempt to say, okay, how can we soften, you know, sort of our entrance into that world and see if we can convert some of those people? For sure. Yeah. It's it was disappointing to say the least. Yeah. Boys, it's fascinating stuff, as is, um, Pipe, the fact that uh, we just had a Game 7 in the NBA Finals. Uh, Big R, your hometown of Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, came away as, uh, as, as NBA champions this year. And I'm sure you and Melissa did some just some celebrating in the streets, man. <laughs> you probably bought a couple of Cavs t-shirts, maybe flipped over a car, I don't know, burned a sofa. I mean, whatever – Whatever you guys do there in Ohio when your when your team wins, I know there was just a lot of jubilation. Do, do you sense a, just a surge in people's emotions in Ashland, Big R? I mean, is is there a sense of uh, uh, of lightness of being of a weight lifted? Are you oh, seeing there this is. in the yeah. streets? Yeah, in, in the, the ministry. Street. I mean, I'm look, right. I mean, I we burned down our house. We we're so excited, so I'm currently <laughs> sitting out here in the street. As well, just, you should, well, your internet connection improved. You should have done that a long time ago. You should I burn mean, your house down more often. <laughs> I mean, we burned our house down. We ran to a Dick Sporting Goods at midnight and bought like every single Cavs 2016 T-shirt they had. Nice. So uh, we'll be doing a giveaway here on the uh, on the rant coming up. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I mean, you know, the the energy was palpable, as you like to say, mm. Big T. I mean, it you was just. I mean, I had people saying like, literally, I can't stop crying. I'm sitting yeah. here with my dad and we're just weeping for joy. And I like all of that, like you boys got to remember, like that is so foreign to me. Like I like like you guys are you guys are sports fanatics. So like I, I get a little of the emotion. I'm emotional about other types of things. So I, I, I get I get the emotional aspect like, like of Christmas it, novels. Right, Christmas like, novels. right, like the no new kingdom work, like Christmas. The novels. new Richard Paul Evans, you know, Christmas novels coming out November fifteenth. I'm a little excited, Christmas but I don't. Sweater. But yeah. I don't know that I don't know that I'm going to get all teary eyed when it rolls up, you know, in Amazon, my Amazon Prime box, you know, the day it comes out. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. And um, this was, I just find it fascinating that people think that like 
man, this was this drought that we were going through. You know, they're using all the language of we and how it's been since 94 yeah. or no, 64. And like now, like now, finally, it's like, and they, they use words like now and finally. And, I, and I'm always like, yeah. well, now, now what? And finally, what? Like what, what happens now? Like how does this, how does this move life on for you? And they just, you know, they're like, oh, you're just trying to, you're just, you're just trying to rain out on a parade right Let's, now. Let's, uh, what, what? Let's talk about this thing. So, so the series, and I watched the whole thing, which I don't normally do, but my son uh, Tristan was he was super big into it this year. So, well, so we, hold uh, on, Big T, you're not a basketball guy, right? I mean, that's not dude, your game. Nah, you know, I'm kind of a casual NBA guy. I, I get into it once in a while, but I'm not. No, I don't follow a team. And Big R, baby, I'm not a sports guy. Like I, I, I love football. I love boxing, but that's it. That's literally it. Like I, I really, I don't follow teams. I don't. I don't really get into. The fandom of sports, but uh, so you but don't. So, get, so hold on, hold on. Let's yeah. explore that for one second. I mean, yeah, so, sure. Go. So you, so you're not like emotionally driven then, like by teams winning or losing. Oh, okay. Zero emotion. Yeah, not at all. I didn't know so, that, Big T. I'm like fascinated by that right now. No, dude, I watch football like a coach or a, a player. You know what I mean? I just, I, I enjoy the game. I enjoy the, the nuances. I enjoy watching individual people within the game. But, but yeah, I, I, I can't tell you the last time I like got emotional about a team. So you don't get so I know you're trying to push past this real fast. So yeah. let's just let's just pause. Big R, I want to I want to answer your questions though. I want I want to no, uh, accomplish what you want to do here. What, what well, he's trying to do is to point out that he's the not the only non-sports guy on this podcast. I believe that that I heard a a, a sense of smug satisfaction in his voice. No, that's not what confession. I'm saying. Pipe. No, I'm really? not with oh, really? in this. Because Piper, yeah. I know we're I know we're treading on really delicate ground here with you. Oh, I know. I know. I, 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 I what are you trying to suss out? I will out? not proselytize about sports. I love sports, but if you don't, I don't judge you for that. I totally no, I, understand why people don't give a crap about sports. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're missing my point. My point is that like there are like I do have a sport and a half that I really love, but yeah. I it would never like What's the I, half? Well, I don't know. I I got I'll figure that one out. Okay. But it, like I just didn't want to say one sport because it always goes back to the same thing. But what I'm yeah. trying to say is that, like, <laughs> as much as I'm invested in that sport, which is quite a bit as just an armchair guy, like, yeah, yeah. It, it would not, like, I would not be sad for a week if, like, my favorite guy didn't win. Like, it just doesn't right, produce right. that. I enjoy it. I love it. But, like, it doesn't yeah. produce that level of, like, sadness and depression and, like, man, I feel like I just, man, I'm, I've been bummed for, like, weeks because, like, the Cavs couldn't pull off the championship. I mean, I had people saying, like, I don't know what I'm going to do if we lose game seven. And Dude, I'm just sitting there going, like, 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 you're scaring me now. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, you're scheduling, and, like, counseling time with your parishioners, you know, blocks of hours. <laughs> That's you know. what I'm saying. Well, That's you, what I'm saying. The, the correct response to them is the same thing you've done every day, every well, year since 1950, whatever. <laughs> when the last time a Cleveland team won. Exactly. Like, you guys are used to this. You should know exactly what you'll do if they lose. Exactly. Well, no, boys, so, I, so, all right, so I, I watched this whole thing, all seven games of this crap series. It was, which pretty, was, just, cra- it was pretty crappy. Dude, it was garbage. Every game was a blowout. You until, know, somebody, until the last one. Until the last one. So, so, right, so I watched game seven, and I'm watching it with Tris and with my lady. She's, like, reading a book, and, um, <laughs> you know, we go <laughs> – it goes back and forth. Cleveland is like the least bad at the end, and they win, right? So he, here's where the emotion got interesting to me. So they win, and the the immediate response for LeBron James, who's like the world's greatest basketball player, uh, he drops to the floor, and he starts crying. Okay, you know, I get it. I get sports emotion. He's crying. He's rolling around on the floor by himself. And then they cut to Ty Lue, um, Cleveland sort of 
uh, de, de jure head coach. You know, LeBron is probably really the de facto head coach. But so Tyron Lue is the guy that sits on the bench with the suit and does head coachy things. And he's he's got his head in his hand and he's crying. And it, it, it occurred to me that nobody – it didn't occur to anyone to like walk across the floor and shake hands with anybody from the other team. You know, the Warriors players are just sort of streaming up the the – you know the the aisle toward the locker room and and dude i'm not i'm not an old timey sports guy i'm not like you got to go do a handshake line but i mean you've just played in the seven game series you know you got lebron you got steph curry these two mega stars can't they like greet one another or don't they have a word for one another after this thing and and i guess that was the that was the aspect of the emotion that got to me and i and i wrote a piece about it um it's called everybody's crying alone um, about the kind of aftermath of this game, and I knew I knew it was the kind of piece that I would get kind of semi killed for because all the LeBron disciples would come out and say that I'm just trying to you know uh, crap on the guy's he's, title. I or think whatever. he's currently the most polarizing guy in sports because I mean there there are, there are LeBron haters, yeah. and then there are LeBron defenders, which basically consists of Ohio and then everybody outside of Ohio. So you have those yeah. who I defend thought, him and those who despise him. I just thought, you know, okay, so that's interesting because I thought that uh, maybe I think this because I'm in Ohio. So there you go. There's the answer to the question that I'm still going to ask, which is uh, I thought LeBron was kind of a universally like sort of nice and loved athlete. He no, was dude, until he left Cleveland the first time. Okay. Right. And which he did he, in, a, in an unspeakably obnoxious fashion. Yeah, it was it was pretty douchey the way he did that. Because everybody talks about him like, no, man, he's like he cares about so much else other than basketball. He's generous. He's a great dad. You know, he's not like the he's not like your typical like basketball guy that's just, well, the, you know, all about himself. And I always reasons, hear all that stuff. The reasons that people hate LeBron are not because he is a bad dude. Like he's not a he's not any of the like he doesn't do any of the stuff that's actually hateable other than right. his persona and the fact that he is so brand aware that okay. you feel like everything he's doing is is positioning himself for fame and fortune. You know, everything is like, oh, I'm on camera. I have to pose just so I have to Including respond. Including like so. crying around on the floor, you know, by himself. It was kind of like the way T just brought up that like famous article he just wrote. Was it? You mean like that, Piper? Maybe. Is that always, what we're talking? Always be position. Always branding. If, always if LeBron, LeBron could learn a couple things from Ted about branding, like that's <laughs> Ted, Ted is a master self promoter. LeBron's just a novice. Okay, let me ask you this, Big What could LeBron learn from you about about marketing and and promoting himself? Give me two things. Uh, About marketing and promoting himself? Yeah. (laughs) Number one, get off Twitter. (laughs) Get get off Twitter. Run. Leave them wanting more. Leave them wanting more. Exactly. That's why in your case, Ted, it's more like leave them wanting anything. Leave (laughs) them wanting anything. That's it. That's it. That's the tagline. So get off Twitter. All right. Nobody, nobody wants to read your thoughts. You know, we, we, we don't love LeBron James for his thoughts. Let's be honest. This guy's 6'8", 260 pounds. He's shredded. <laughs> He's an incredible athlete. He has no charisma. None. He has, he has like zero actual charisma. And, and Big R, when I'm talking about athletes with charisma, I'm talking about guys like, uh, you know, polarizing guys. Allen Iverson was polarizing. He had a ton of charisma, dude. Yes. Ton of charisma on the floor. You just, you just Steph want to. Steph Curry watch. is also polarizing. Also, ton of charisma. Yeah, his LeBron. his is like friendly next door neighbor charisma, but yeah, six. friendly next door neighbor. Your family's precious. Whatever. It's traditional. That that's kind of a charisma of its own. But but LeBron, man, and I'm not knocking him. I'm not a LeBron hater. Hear this, man. I don't have a dog in the LeBron fight. I don't care. I'm just saying the guy 
is a phenomenal athlete with no charisma. And, and, and all the social media in the world is not going to give you charisma. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell him, Big R. I don't know what to tell this guy to do. I, I, think, <laughs> I wish he would just – I wish he would stop trying to be a brand. Yeah. I mean he's – the. I can't I can't say this for certain, but I think, you know, right now he has won three championships and lost four championships. Yeah. I think he could be like five and two if he if he was as locked in and focused on basketball as he was on becoming a worldwide brand. Now, I don't know that's true because he plays hard, he doesn't miss games, he's a he's the best player he's since incredible. Michael Jordan. Like yeah. period. Yeah. But he he just sort of disappears sometimes, and I feel like there's there's not that like locked in sense of excellence in, in quite the same way. Yeah, but Piper, I mean, to ask him to stop branding himself, I, I mean, dude, that doesn't. That's like asking that's like asking Calvin to stop being a Calvinist. That's like asking Jared Wilson to stop <laughs> tweeting every forty one seconds. I mean, seconds. Yeah, I mean, that, that's yeah. like asking the impossible. It's like asking him to be not himself. I mean, that's that's who he is, right? But dude, isn't isn't this the the off-putting thing though? You know what I'm saying? Like there was a sense, and again, I'm going to go all retro and nostalgic <laughs> here. But there was a sense in the '80s when you were watching, uh, I don't know, the Lakers and the Celtics, or in the in the '90s when it was the Bulls and like the Bad Boy Pistons or whatever. Like there was a sense that these guys were like all in on basketball. Man, they were committed. They were going after each other. Um, and, and I think. There, there was something wi- something winsome about that, you know. Yeah, but they didn't have they didn't have the branding opportunities back then. Now, like everything can be a brand, everything can be part of the package that like sells you. So yeah. obviously, that's going to be exploited. I mean, how many different like managers and publicists does a guy like LeBron have around him at any one time? All I mean, of them. That's what yeah. I mean. I mean, and they're the ones that are really driving that. By the way, even more. Dude, than you know, LeBron. you know who LeBron is? He's Floyd Mayweather Jr. You know. Wow. The guy's undefeated. He's the best boxer in the world. Maybe the best boxer of all time. One of the best. But nobody likes him. You know? And it's it's a profoundly sad thing, actually. I, I think LeBron will be viewed more favorably historically than Mayweather. But that's yeah. hard. It, it's also a more popular sport currently, so it's hard to say. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. he's – yeah, it's – he also lives in the age when, when you, you're not allowed to feel neutral about somebody. You are You are required to hate them or root for them. Yeah. So it's it's a hard it's position point. to take to feel like oh he's he's fantastic and I don't really care. Um, yeah. So it's it's just it's the weird internet age where everything matters too much. Dude, that's yeah. such a great point. And like everything is a like you have to have a position on LeBron. You know. Yeah. And what? Right. Go ahead. Yeah. And what Go. you're what you're saying, Big T, is like you actually fall into the category of something that says I like him for what he's supposed to be, yes. which is yeah. a basketball player. I don't care about the rest. I just want to see him play good basketball. That's it, man. He's fun. To, he's fun to watch if if you're into a certain aesthetic of basketball. And I, and I think Pipe, I'd love to hear you speak to this briefly. But one of the things that I found, I guess, uh, unpleasant about this series was so you had Golden State living and dying by the three. Mm-hmm. So they're jacking three balls all over the place when they're when they're dropping. You know, the team's winning when they're not, they're losing. So you had that on one side of the floor. The other side of the floor, you had. You know, LeBron just charging to the rack like a fullback, you know, using using his 260 pounds and just bullying his way in there, drawing a foul, maybe making a layup or a dunk or whatever. And, and 
there just wasn't a lot of diversity of of basketball. There's no mid-range jumper anymore. There's no post moves. Nobody's posting up. Nobody's like, you know, doing interesting things down low. I don't know. I, I guess I miss all that from a basketball standpoint. What? You pipe speak to that. I mean, I think that's well. To be honest, you sound a little bit like a, a grown-up telling the kids that's not music. That's just noise, dude. Um, I do. I know. I sound like that. I know exactly that. You're, I sound. You're, you're right that there are things that are that are gone that are uh, that were beautiful in their own right. Now, like n- nobody plays like the Jordan mid game, you know, where he, you know, he could he could hit that 14 foot fadeaway over anybody at any time, and it was it was music. But but I do think that like there are subtleties to the game now that that never existed back then, and the mm-hmm. way that Golden State runs their offense, they they didn't look good in this series. But like if you watch them over the course of the whole year. Mm-hmm. They looked amazing, and Cleveland does live and die on the fact that LeBron is the most physically dominant player. He's Shaquille O'Neal, yeah. You know where he's just like he just the, the floor just tilts his direction because nobody can actually stop him. He gets fouled yeah. on every play, and it's up to the refs whether or not they call it. Uh, yeah. Sometimes he misses shots because he's human, but sure. like he's it, it's a it's a different sort of aesthetic. My problem with the game, I mean, with the series aesthetically, was just. The teams didn't play that well. Yeah, that's so right. It, you saw not or, the best or, version or of Or they both never teams. played well at the same time until game seven. One that's team played right. well and the other team looked lackadaisical. One team played well and the other team was injured. Like whatever it was. And it wasn't until the last game that you finally saw, oh, these teams are they're both actually really in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, uh, can I can I finish this by asking you guys one question? This is what I'm curious sure, about, man. So um, given like probably the five or six Cavs sermon illustrations I'm going to be using on Sunday. Ooh, nice. Do, do you think it'll be offensive or weird if I say jacking threes and charging the rack like Big T just did? Oh, I see what you're doing, Big R. You're making a joke about the vernacular pipe. I, I, dude, I just want to know if that's going to keep me current with the kids on Sunday. Uh, I, I think you need to speak in whatever way sounds comfortable to you because the people who use vernacular that don't know how to use it always – I mean trust me. I listen to my dad try to do this periodically. He, he didn't – it doesn't go well. Let's just leave it at that. It doesn't go well. So I would stick to whatever language feels natural coming out of your Baby, language. listen to me. You need to, go, you need to go to your local sports retailer and purchase a LeBron James jersey. I already okay. have one. Are you yeah. writing this? You already have one. Yeah, or wearing just go it, to your closet. Wearing it currently. Is wearing it tucked it, in? Of course. In. You need to tuck it into your, your chinos or your skinny jeans. Uh-huh. And skinny chinos. How about skinny chinos? Skinny chinos. That's go. a thing. That or needs. joggers. Ski, skinos. No, you, you need to get I the call hip, them skinos. You need to get the hip joggers. Dude. So t- <laughs> tuck it into your skinos, big R, and put a little military jacket over it. But you got to keep the jacket open so that people can see where it says calves in the number 23. <laughs> And you need to preach in that on Sunday because how, you know what? how. I mean, how how would our tithes be after a morning like that, Big T? You just they just would be up. They would be up uh, threefold. I'm gonna say, <laughs> hundredfold, hundredfold tithes. So so far be it from you to use any vernacular that you're not comfortable with. But but I just want to see you in the jersey, okay? All right. Yeah, picture it jersey. didn't happen. Guys, let me just say this word to cap it off. Done. Yeah. Done. Okay. <laughs> well, boys, we've got one more topic. And speaking of uh, of celelebrities, right, which we we've been doing kind of all all day here in the studio. Yeah, we're kind of um, like the TMZ of podcasts. T- 
Today we are. That's correct. Yes. TMZ of Christian podcast yeah, today. Absolutely. But but so the que- the question was posed, uh, I think by somebody on Twitter. Um, how are we to deal with uh, this issue of like celebrity listening to celebrity sermons? All right, so we all have access now to all these John Piper sermons, all the Timmy K sermons that we want, Maddie Chandler, whoever your guy is. Um, is it sort of disloyal to your local church pastor to listen to these, um, you know, iPod pastors, these celebrities? Uh, how do you guys deal with that? So we, we, we got kind of a serious topic to close out the, uh, the, the afternoon here. Um, Big R, you're a man of the cloth. You're a pastor yourself. You're a local church pastor. How, how would you feel about one of your parishioners um, talking about the, the latest uh, Tim Keller sermon that they just listened to? Yeah, I think um, it's a good question, man. I, I, yeah. I'm, so I'm secure. I'm secure in it. You know, like I think, um, you know, I think we, the availability of those guys means that we can, there's a level of, you know, teaching and instruction and um, exhortation that we can get that we weren't able to get, you know, 20 years ago. So again, guys like, guys like Timmy and Johnny and Maddie and, and Francis, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. Channy. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's good. I, I think what happens is I think you can take it to a place where, um, if all you're doing is just, you know, uh, just kind of, you know, vegging out on celebrity podcasts and then you, um, you start to uh, supplement, you know, just regular church attendance and being involved in the body with, with that, obviously you're, you're kind of steering down a, you know, you're kind of steering, you're oversteering that. But I think, you know, for guys that have commutes and, and all, and, and, you know, have to drive a little and have to, you know, downtime, why, why not put on like a Keller sermon? I mean, that, I would, I would say, please do that. Like, do that. Like, yeah. listen to this. Like I, like I give guys that listen to this sermon. Like I heard this sermon from whatever Mark Dever. It was really good. It really like it, it said something that was really helpful for me. I think it'd be helpful for you. Like do it, but just don't let it be like a replacement. And I think Piper, you actually, was it you or, or I, what's that guy's name? Al Trogi or whatever that like wrote, actually wrote an article on that recently. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, well, I, I wrote one a, a while back and then just reshared it recently. And, and that was you. Okay. People, People seemed interested in it. There was there was some, you know some discussion on on my Facebook page about it where some people were like, "But I've really benefited from this," and others were like, "Absolutely, totally agree." My take on it was uh, it was basically why I stopped listening to them, and it wasn't a condemnation of the sermons. It wasn't saying yeah. these are garbage; nobody should listen to them; they're terrible for you. It was simply saying in my circumstance with my mindset, I I am a uh, I'm a critiquer by nature, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I grew up listening to a celebrity pastor which means that my standards for what a sermon should sound like are probably different than other people's. My engagement with sermons are different than other people's. And I'm a critiquer by nature, which means when I spent a long time listening to, I mean, I, through my 20s, it was a lot of Mark Driscoll. Then it was a lot of Matt Chandler. And, uh, and I realized that what happened on Sunday mornings is I would go in and be, it would, and be disengaged and kind of disinterested because – the pastor at my church couldn't preach like those guys. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. a really good preacher mm-hmm. at the local church level and a really faithful pastor. And he he was very, you know, he's he's what he's what a pastor ought to be. And I was suffering as a church member and b- because I was comparing based on these sermons. And so I realized it's bad for me to be to be listening to these. And so I quit. And I don't. I think I've listened to two sermons on a, on a podcast in the last you know five years or so, four years. So for you, it's just like a cautionary thing. But like, what about um, Big T? What do you think about that? Do you listen to a lot of sermon podcasts, or you just like kind of avoid it? Dude, no, I do. I uh, I've I've enjoyed these and benefited from 
from them over the years. I, I think I go in streaks with it and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm on a Tim Keller kick right now. And, and for me, man, I, so I had this commute, uh, out to my kid's school. So I would, I would take him like 20 minutes both ways. And, you know, sometimes I'd have Maxim, the other kid in the car and, and we would listen to a Timmy K sermon together sometimes just as a, a way to get our heads right in the morning and, and provide some fodder for interesting conversation that wasn't like yeah. inane and stupid as it can often be between two little boys. So, um, so that was good, man. And, and I, I don't feel like it, it infringed upon kind of my, my loyalty to my local church pastor in part because, you know, my guy here is, is super talented. You know, he's one of these guys that, you know, he's, he's a great faithful local church pastor, but he could be, he could easily be world-class if you wanted to like pursue the, the fame and the publishing thing like other guys do. So, um, so yeah, in a sense, I feel like, you know, whatever I'm getting from the, the, the Timmy K's and the John Pipers of the world is just sort of supplemental to what I'm getting Sunday morning. And I, and I guess I'm glad it's out there as a resource. Um, but I think the, the, the caution to hero worship is, is real and it's, and it's a good caution, you know, um, you know, if we're, if we're consuming these guys kind of to the exclusion or to the critique of our local church pastor, then we probably need to, to dial it back. You know, I think there's another caution and it, it's another two sided coin, which can be a, a real benefit or a real caution. And so some of the people I heard back from were, were local pastors and they said, you know, I've really benefited from listening to these to improve my sermons. Yeah. And, and I thought that's, that's great. However, I've also listened to pastors and I go, you sound like a bad Frank Caliendo. Like you sound like you're doing an impression of a famous pastor. Yeah. And uh, and so even that's a two-sided coin because I absolutely think it can be beneficial to listen to to Tim Keller or whoever uh, on how to handle a text or how to handle an issue. Oh, Keller did a sermon on suffering. I'm going to listen to that because maybe I'll gain some insight on how to help my people. That's a great that's a great thing to do. Uh, however, if you begin mimicking. And you begin, you, you lose your voice and your style as a pastor. Yeah. You're not shepherding your congregation. Tim Keller is through a sorry substitute. Yeah. That's right. Well, boys, I, I can tell you this about, about podcasts. You know, this should be the only podcast that people listen to. I don't, I don't want them listening to any other podcast. No, that's true. And we certainly don't imitate any others because we don't listen to them. That's right. That's right. This is it, man. Ha, ha. I would never listen to another podcast. I would never listen to another one, ever. Yeah, that would be disloyal to this podcast. Uh, there's, a, there's an ESPN podcast. It's a fantasy football one hosted by a guy. Anytime that one of his co-hosts goes on another podcast, he calls it podultery. <laughs> that's, I think that's what it would be if, uh, if any of our listeners either listen or, or, uh, or if we were to ever go on another podcast. That would Dude, be it's speaking of like... Yeah, and I think I think we're going to know that too. I think I'm going to sense that. I think we're going to sense if you've done that one uh, particular Wednesday. Well, I mean, other I than the ones that we already co-host, since Ted co-hosts another one, and so do I. Um, and you may podcast your sermons, Ronnie. So though none of those count. Yeah, no, I, I, meant, of, uh, I meant besides the other nine podcasts that we're a part of. Exactly. Between <laughs> we us, to, we are we are we need a to part limit of like it to nine that. <laughs> so. <laughs> Boys, we have uh, we have wandered to and fro. Um, we truly have done that in this episode, unlike no other. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Thanks again to the guys at uh, Olive Tree Bible for all the uh, all the good that they do. Uh, check them out. And um, until next time, Rachel the Held Evans.
This is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Ministry podcast. Learn how to share and defend your faith by listening to us weekly. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.